so good to see you. Y'all going to have to pray for me over the next three weeks. We're starting uh, each series with a clip from The Chosen, and I've not been able to watch this yet without tearing up, and I'm trying to come out excited, but this woman's story is so powerful, and we're just going to stay in it for the next three weeks. It's painful and powerful at the same time. Thank you for being here today on this cold morning. You had to thaw yourself out to get to church today. I didn't wear a coat today, and when I got out, I said, what have I done? It is so cold. So good to have you here. Our online audience is so wonderful. Can we welcome all them this morning? So glad to have you online. If you're watching with us online, we consider you right here with us today, and thank you for being here. Our online audience is growing, and uh, we're growing in such a way I cannot go anywhere anymore without someone coming up to me and telling me how this church and this family, Jesus through this family, has changed their lives, and I'm so thankful for that, and I love it. Uh, If you see me out somewhere and want to come up to me and tell me how great God has been to you, please come up. I love that. I relish those moments, so please give me those testimonies. I love it so much, but I'm thankful for you, for this online audience. Today, we... um, We begin a series, three-part series leading up to Easter called Desperate Faith. And we're going to look at the woman who came to Jesus in a huge crowd. She came trying to come anonymously to sneak in and touch him and then sneak away with her miracle. And Jesus did not let her remain anonymous for a very powerful reason that we'll see in just a couple of weeks But she came to Jesus in a desperate situation. Now, I've always loved the story of the bleeding woman who touched Jesus' garment. It's always been a special story to me. Ever since I was a child, I've loved this story. And I had never seen it portrayed in film before, and I'd always wanted to. So just uh, several weeks ago, this was a clip from The Chosen. By the way, if you haven't heard me talk about The Chosen, you will today. You need to be watching The Chosen. It is powerful and wonderful portrayal of the life of Christ. You can get an app and watch it. It's free also, and that's always good. A couple weeks ago, I saw this opening, what you just saw here today, and I wondered who this woman could be. And as soon as I saw those bloody claws, tears came to my eyes. And I told Alexa, I said, they're going to do it. That's the woman with the issue of blood, and they're going to do that story. And it's so powerful. You're going to see it over the next couple weeks. We're going to show you the clip. So spoiler alert, but it is a tremendously powerful and beauty, beautiful story. I've watched this clip over and over again since that day, and it's just put me in the dust, put me on the floor, put me in tears every time, and I thought God's doing something, and he wants me to share with that at Upper Christian Fellowship. So we're talking about this woman and her desperate faith. It is such a beautiful story, and one of the, the beautiful parts of it is that it happened almost as an interruption. Any of you ever kind of been on a mission and you just had your eyes focused on the mission and you didn't want anything to distract you? Have you ever done that? Anybody? Anybody that gets irritated at interruptions when you're on a mission? Can I see your hand? This does not mean you're a bad person. But when you're on a mission to get something done, you don't want, when you go to the store and you want to buy something, you don't want any distractions, you don't want anything to happen, you want to go right there and get that thing and stay on mission. Did you know Jesus wasn't like that? If there was ever truly a man on a mission, Jesus was a man on a mission but he welcomed interruptions into his schedule. Let me tell you how this story unfolded. Jesus was teaching by the sea with a great multitude of people there. There was a huge crowd around him, and a man emerged from the crowd. He was a ruler in the Jewish synagogue there. His name was Jairus. And Jairus said to Jesus, My daughter is at the point of death. 
will you come to my house and lay hands on her and heal her? And Jesus immediately said, yes, I'll go. And he began to go with Jairus, but they had this huge crowd to press through. All those people who'd heard Jesus teaching and preaching was crowding around him to touch him, to talk to him, to plead for a miracle. So Jesus is on his way to heal a little girl who lies at the point of death. Now, I would think if you ever need to be on a mission, that's the day to do it. Can I get an amen? If you're ever going to be on a mission, that's when you need to do it. When there's a sick child that's about to die, don't stop and do anything else. But the Bible tells us something happened. A woman pressed through the crowd and touched Jesus' garment for healing, and he stopped and ministered to that woman's incredible need. One of the things we're going to see in two weeks is he healed much more than her issue of blood. He healed her much deeper, and he wants to heal us much deeper than just our physical sicknesses. He heals those, but he wants to go deeper. But the miracle happened in the interruption, in a moment of desperate faith. She had come to the point that she'd had enough we're talking desperate faith, and today we're going to talk about the desperate side. We're not going to quite get to the miracle today. We'll get to the first miracle next week and the ultimate miracle the third week leading up to Easter. But today, I want to speak to people who are desperate, people who've had enough. Have you ever been at a place in your life where you could just say, I've had enough? I just don't need one more thing to happen. Have you ever been to the point in life when you've exhausted every other thing? You've tried every other thing, every human solution to your problem, and you've looked high and low, you've done everything you know to do, and there's no more human solutions, and the only thing you have left is God. Have you ever been to a place in your life where maybe a doctor said, all we can do is pray? That's a scary place to be. I'm just telling you, I believe in the power of a praying Christian. But I want you to know, when you get to the place where they say, the only thing that can work now is prayer, that can be a little scary even for a person of faith. Can I get an amen out there so I'll know you're real this morning, okay? That can get scary. When we're talking about desperate faith, that's the place we're talking about. When you've come to a place where you've tried everything and nothing is working, when there are no more solutions out there and the only thing you have is Jesus. When you get to that place, that's what we're talking about today. Let's read the woman's story here, the first part of it in Mark 5, 25. It says this, Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. I want to talk about three ways this woman was desperate. First of all, she was desperately sick. Mark simply writes that she had a flow of blood. Now, many have studied this woman's condition and tried to figure out what she had. Uh, I spoke with a dear doctor friend of mine who's here this morning and asked him uh, what he thought about it. I've read a lot about it. And, and the consensus is this could have been a cancerous thing, but we know the woman had carried it for 12 years, so it's very likely if it was cancer, she would have died by then. 
most of the reading I've found and most of the conversation I've had believe this was some kind of a menstrual cycle problem to where the woman had a consistent menstrual cycle that was almost, if not completely constant, that was almost constant in her life and left her bleeding almost continually. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine bleeding continually? Now, having a blood disease is a very serious struggle and a very scary struggle. As many of you know, my wife and I can really identify with this woman because she struggled with a blood disease for about a year and a half. It wasn't the same thing of bleeding, but her body was actually destroying her own red blood cells at a very rapid pace. Uh, for a year and a half, we did that with her just losing blood continually, and it's a scary place to be. At one point in her journey, she was getting blood transfusions almost every week, and they would fill her up, and the tank would run dry in a week's time, and that is a scary place to be when you're losing blood and don't understand why. And that year and a half for us felt like five years can I tell you something really cool that we didn't even realize till it happened? This week as I start the series on the woman with the issue of blood, yesterday or Friday, we got the news that her disease is in complete remission and she's on zero medications for it. It is completely stopped. And the doctor gave her a tremendous prognosis saying you can count on and we believe this is going to last for a good period of time. You're going to be good. So I thought, wow, God, you're so good. The, the Sunday I start preaching on the woman with the issue of blood. You did it. You did it. We're in remission. Love that. This woman did not have the benefit of modern science and modern medicine. She did not have the benefit of blood transfusion. She did not have the benefit of the testing that we've had. Mark even says that she'd been through many difficult attempts at many treatments with many different physicians. You get the idea that the woman has tried everything that she could try with every kind of doctor she could find and nothing made it better. In fact, she was growing worse. And if you're losing blood and it's getting worse and worse and worse and nothing solves it, then you know that death is coming outside of a miracle. This woman was desperately ill. She was going to die if something didn't change. Her faith had to be desperate. Now, don't get depressed on me today. We're talking about the desperate situation. We're going to get to the miracle. But she was, we need to feel that this morning. Because sometimes we get to a place of desperation and we wonder, is something wrong with me? Am I not a good enough Christian? What am I doing wrong in my life that's gotten me to this hopeless place? I want you to strongly today identify with this woman so you can enjoy the miracle as we walk through it over the next two weeks. She was desperately ill. Has anyone here ever been sick so long that you just said, I've had enough, I've had enough, I'm done with this, I'm ready for something to change, I've had enough. The woman was desperately sick. She was also desperately alone. Her sickness isolated her in a way that sickness doesn't isolate us today. One of the wonderful things that we got to experience was the incredible community of care, 
here at Upward, your love for us, the incredible medical and health professionals that loved us and served us through all this, and many of you right here working in, in health care, we just bless you and honor you and love you and thank you for what you do. We, our community rallied around us. This woman did not have that. Her community, in fact, pushed her away. The nature of her sickness in the Jewish world was, was very difficult to deal with because she would have been ritually or ceremonially unclean constantly. There was a law among the Jews. The Jews were very careful about cleanliness. God gave them very strict laws for cleanliness because they seriously needed these laws because they camped in the wilderness for 40 years. Let me just tell you something. If you go on a camping trip 40 years with 2 million people, you better have some cleanliness laws. Can I get an amen? You better be careful how you interact with each other. You're going to need these, and they needed them. The laws, though, later, leading up to the time of Christ, had become so legalistic and such a stumbling block to people that they got in the way. Thank God for Jesus in his death on the cross, he fulfilled the law. Now I don't have to live my life by a rule book. I can live it by the power of the Holy Spirit that enables me to live correctly. But the people's reaction to these laws and the way they used them actually pushed this lady away. There was a law that when a woman went through her monthly cycle and was bleeding, that she was unclean for seven days. For seven days, she couldn't touch other people. For seven days, if you sat on a chair where she had sat or laid on a bed where she had sat, you would be unclean. If you touched a woman during her menstrual cycle, you were unclean until the evening. That means the rest of the day, you could not hang out with your family. You had to separate yourself, and you had to go find some water and take a bath. You'd be ceremonially unclean for a day if you touched a woman during her menstrual period. Well, hear me, this lady had this constantly and consistently this was a serious issue for women of the day just one time a month for seven days a month this woman had it 365 days a year now this is going to be important in two weeks but I want you to hear me this woman could not touch anybody nor could she be touched by anybody I want you to understand the desperate situation she was in she's dying and she can't even get a hug I don't know about y'all, it's going to tear me up before it's over, but man, sometimes when, when we're battling something, I just need somebody to give me a hug. I just need somebody to shake my hand. I need somebody to pat me on the back. I, need, I bet you're the same. Sometimes just somebody coming up and just loving you and hugging you makes you feel better. This woman couldn't even get a hug in her community. Nobody could touch her. And she wasn't allowed to touch anybody. I'm already wanting to preach message two and three, so y'all pray for me that I can hang on to it. But uh, she spent her life trying not to touch people. Because if she did, she'd get the reaction you saw from the man she was trying to do the laundry for. She'd be rejected because she was seen as an inconvenience. She was desperately alone. She could not go up to worship with the congregation in Israel. Now, there's some debate and there's question as to where this woman come, came from. Tradition, old tradition, says her name could have actually been Veronica. And it says that she could have come from Caesarea Philippi. There's, there's debate about whether she was Jewish or not. But in the Jewish community, if you were unclean, you couldn't worship with everybody else. 
You know, I love a difference. I love a lot of differences between the Old and the New Testament. But one of my favorite differences between the Old and the New Testament, in the Old Testament, if unclean touched clean, then clean became unclean. After the cross, when clean comes into the room, unclean has to run away. See, Jesus demonstrated the whole thing. Jesus switched everything. In the Old Testament, if you touched a leper, you were unclean. So when lepers came around Jesus, everybody's like, stay away. And Jesus demonstrated the whole New Testament by saying, I'm going to lay my hands on you, and now clean overtakes unclean. That's so good. Folks, i got about four messages I want to preach today. Y'all just want to stay here a while? Let's just take second and third service. Y'all should have been here early. We started early, and we're going all day. One day we'll probably wind up doing that. All right. She was desperately sick, desperately alone. Her bleeding condition very likely forced her to stay unmarried. She couldn't marry and have a normal married life because she was bleeding constantly. People have debated how old she was. and Some, some that I've written, uh, read after said that if this was a menstrual condition, it likely could have started when she was 11 or 12 years old. So the woman could have been 23 or 24 years old, still a young woman unable to marry, unable to have a normal family life. This was much more than just a sickness. Some Bible scholars believe that this woman was just about as outcast as a leper in her community. She was just about that level of outcast. So we've got a woman who was desperately sick. We've got a woman who was desperately uh, alone. Thirdly, we've got a woman who's desperately broke. She's broke. She must have had some means at some point in her life, maybe her family, maybe somebody helped her. But it said she'd suffered many things of many physicians. She'd been to many different doctors, but here's what it says. She'd spent all that she had. She is now destitute. She's sick. She's alone. Now she has nowhere to live, and she has no money to spend to support herself. I think the chosen is very genius at how they portray a whole lot of things. And they show this woman, uh, the Bible doesn't say this, but it, they show this woman as taking in laundry to support herself and camping out. That's very likely the lifestyle she had, had to work for just daily food and having to camp out somewhere outside of town. But she'd spent everything she had on doctors. You know, health care is expensive. When, uh, when you walk through a health care problem, when you walk through a sickness, there, is, there are many more burdens than just the sickness. When you walk through a situation where you're ill, it feels like you've gotten another job. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like you just took on a whole other job because you're now scheduling appointments one after the other after the other. Every week, if you've got a serious illness, it seems like we were in a point, and I know y'all have been there too, some of you much worse but it's like every week you're managing appointment after appointment after appointment. You start getting much more mail. And it's mail you don't want to get. Have you ever been in the midst of a health crisis and feel like you owe everybody in Henderson County some money? Again, I love uh, our folks who work in health care. There are some definite struggles with our health care system in our day. I won't deny that. But you go for an appointment and then you have four bills from four different places. 
Even if you have really good insurance, you still have to manage that and work with that, and you still owe people. And there were times in that that I thought we weren't just bleeding blood, we were bleeding money. You ever felt that way? This woman felt that way for 12 years. The financial burden of being sick had taken over her life. And she had bound to come to the place where she said, I've had enough. Any of you ever been so sick that you just said, I've had enough? Any of you ever been so alone that you just said, I've had enough? People say, well, we've got each other. You can feel alone in the midst of a crowded room where everybody loves you. You can have friends and family that care for you and yet feel isolated and alone. Anybody ever been to the point where you've struggled financially to the point that you just said, I've had enough of this. I've come to a place that I need a miracle. I need Jesus. I struggle with this sometimes. I wonder why it is that God allows us to get in desperate situations you ever heard the statement, God won't give you more than you can handle? It's absolute bologna, baloney. Don't tell people that. Just stop. He will. I know that feels good. He'll give you far much more than you can handle. He'll let stuff happen in your life that feels like it's going to crush you. I talk to people all the time. Their life seems to be just crushing them, a weight on them. Well, they say, I've had enough. He'll give you more than you can handle, but I'm going to tell you this. There's nothing that he can't handle. There's nothing that you and he can't walk through together. I promise you that. He won't give you anything that he won't supply the strength for you to get through it. Why is it that we reach a place of desperation? I don't have all the answers for you today. If I did, I'd be somewhere writing a book. But I know this. I love this statement. Sometimes we have to get to the place where Jesus is all we have to find out he is all we need. She tried everything else. Why is it we get to a place where it feels like everything's crumbled around us? Years ago, I was out walking on the beach, and this is extra, so i got to hurry through this. It's not here. I was out walking on the beach, and I was waiting in the beach. Anybody like the sound of that this morning? Oh, hallelujah. Lord, just transport us all to a beach somewhere today. So I was walking in the beach, and the, the uh, waves were just uh, over my ankles. And I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit in my heart. I don't claim to hear like this every day, but some days, man, I just, I know God's talking to me and I can hear him clearly. Other days, I wonder if he's up there. Anybody identify? Some days I pray and it's like the prayers bounce right back. Some days it seems so clear. I was walking on and I heard clearly in my spirit the Lord saying, my people are content to wade in my Holy Spirit. And I've got a whole ocean out there for them to swim in. So quit wading and start swimming. I asked God, why? And God took me to the book of Ezekiel in the Old Testament. Ezekiel had this vision 
of the temple of God and a river flowing out from under the temple. And Ezekiel said, I waded out into that and it was up to my ankles. And I thought, oh boy, that must be God. Then it said he waded out a little further and it was up to his knees. Getting a little deeper. Waded a little further and it was up to his chest. You know, folks, I don't want to wade in the Holy Spirit. Water in the Old Testament symbolizes the Holy Spirit. I don't want to wade in the Holy Spirit. I want to swim in the Holy Spirit. Ezekiel said, I finally reached a place where there was water to swim in. It was over my head. And the Lord said to me, here's the difference. When you're wading, your feet are still on the ground. When it's up to your knees, your feet are still on the ground. Even when it's up to your chest, your feet are still on the ground. But to swim, you've got to get in something that's deeper than you are. And I'm just telling you, sometimes... I hated swimming lessons. My mom put me and my sister in swimming lessons when we were four or five years old. I hated it. I did not like to be in deep water. Any of you ever been to the old swimming lessons where they throw you in? As terrible as that is, you will learn to swim. Sometimes, I'm just being honest, it hurts, but God puts us in situations that are way over our head because he's teaching us to swim in the Holy Spirit. I promise you, God knows where you are. You're out there, you're hurting, you're saying, what in the world, how could this happen? What's happened in my life? God knows right where you are. And as hard as this has been, as hard as what you're going through, as desperate as you feel right now, you're learning to swim in the Holy Spirit. You're learning to rely on Jesus. I love this. I got four minutes left. Oh, I got all day. I'll be here till 1.30. I'll be back. I love what it says about this woman. It says, when she heard of Jesus... You realize that's the hinge on which this whole story turns. She heard about a man. She heard about a man that had the answer to her problem. She heard he'd raised the dead. By this time he had. She'd heard he'd open blind eyes. Here's the deal. You're walking through this. You're going to come out on the other side. And you're going to be able to tell somebody else this is what he did for me and somebody else is going to find deliverance because you just told them what he did for you i deal with people all the time saying we need to share our faith right one of our values is contagious faith and people always say well what if they ask me something i don't know well you know what you say i don't know simple as that what about the dinosaurs i don't know how old is the earth i don't know some of you mad that I said I don't know. Okay, that's fine. What about science? I don't know. We're on the side of science now. What about all these questions? I don't know. But I do know when I came to Jesus, this is what he did in my life. And he'll do the same for you. You know, you don't have to convert people. That's his job. Our job is to tell him who he is and what he's done for us. That's it. It's our job to tell him who he is and what he's done for us. 
and we do that, people are going to touch his garment and get healed. Amen. Man, I'm wanting to preach today. I'm wanting to cut loose here today. Here's what I want to leave you with. When you're sick, he's enough. When you've had enough, Jesus is enough. When you're alone, and you've had enough, he is enough. When you're broke, you've had enough, he is enough. This woman found out Jesus is enough. We're going to see it next two weeks. I'm going to come out here bawling probably, and you will be too, but uh, we're going to show that clip. Spoiler alert now. If you want to go watch The Chosen, you can see the end of it already. Season 3, find it. It's there. Just start with Season 1. Watch the whole thing. Why don't we binge watch The Chosen until next week, okay? Just get in there and finish it, all right? Three, three seasons are out. But we're going to see this woman's miracle over the next couple weeks. But today, I think what God wants us to do is to just acknowledge that we've had enough and take that place in our heart where we've had enough and open it up to Jesus today and say, Lord, here this is. I'm bringing this to you. Can we do that today? Bow with me. Jesus, thank you for today, for your love, for your grace, for your mercy. Lord, thank you for this woman. Thank you for this woman who's with you today. <laughs> Just thought of that. She's with you today in glory. Thank you for this woman whose story, 2,000 years old, means so much to us right here in Flat Rock, North Carolina today in 2023. That you are enough. Lord, we just come before you today and we bring those places in our lives where we've had enough. And we open that part of our heart to you and say, Jesus, here this is. I hold this before you today. I've had enough. And Jesus, whatever it means, we reach out today by faith to touch you. In faith, we believe you're able. And we reach out to you in need of a miracle today. And we ask you to bring it to pass. Every head bowed, every eye closed, please. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, today is my day. will not embarrass you, but today is my day to say yes to Jesus Christ. Can I see your hand right now? Can I see it? I'm saying yes to Jesus right now, today. Anybody here? Anybody here? How many would say this? Pastor, I'm just going to be honest with you. I've had enough. I've had enough. Can I see your hands right now today? I've had enough. Amen. Amen. I've come to that place where enough's enough. And I'm giving that to Jesus today. Lord, you see and know every heart and every life. May your Holy Spirit be upon this congregation in this place today to bring us to that place of complete healing in your name. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet right now, would you? We're going to pray right now for those who are saying yes to Jesus here and online. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me, for dying for me on the cross, for paying the price for my sin. Today, I turn to you and away from my sin, away from this world, and I run to you. Forgive me, cleanse me, change me in Jesus' name. Amen.
I want to speak a blessing over you from Ezekiel 47. And I believe Ezekiel 47 to be prophetic for the day that we're living in right now. I told you about the river, right? Here you go. You ready again? He measured 1,000. And it was a river that I could not cross for the water was too deep. A river that could not be crossed. Water in which one must swim. And he said to Ezekiel, Son of man, have you seen this? And he said, When I returned there along the bank of the river were very many trees on one side and the other. And he said of this water, When it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. And it shall be that every living thing that moves where the rivers go will live. That is a picture of you going out in our community with the power of the Holy Spirit upon you. And everywhere you go, life goes with you. Now he did say this, there's still going to be some swamps and marshes. marshes, And the swamps and the marshes will be given over to salt and nothing will live there. But everywhere the river goes, there will be life. He said there's going to be fish. Oh goodness, I just want to preach ten messages this morning and you're ready to go. Fish is a harvest. We're bringing them in. Amen. you got to ask yourself this question. Do I want to live in the swamp or do I want to live in the river? Stay in the river. Get in the river. And everywhere you go, there's going to be life. You ready? With that wonderful word, I commission you go out of this place. Live in the river. Live in the river. Go. Amen. Love y'all. Go. Remember, this way or that way. Love y'all. See you next week.